Lord just has been doing some things with me this week uh, in the midst of a crazy, crazy week. And the sermon is so weird, I actually have a title for it. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's called Loved by a Dog, Hugged like a Bunny. Loved by a Dog, and you're not even going to know why I titled it that until about the last 30 seconds of the sermon. But I'll, I'll get us started by uh, looking at two passages of Scripture that are, are, are I'm not really going to be preaching from these, but they set a, pa- a sort of a precedent for what I want to do, uh, for what I want to preach on, and it has to do with who we are. The first is from the Song of Solomon, chapter two. And while you're turning there, if you want to turn there, I want to remind you of the passage that Greg read uh, during worship. I think it's Psalms 27, where uh, the the where David says, no matter what's going on, no matter even if the battle is is fighting, there's one thing that I desire, Lord. And that is to dwell in your presence. To dwell in your presence. That's the one thing. I'm, I'm only going to ask one thing of you. Now, David also asked at other times to defeat his enemies and to have victory, whatever. But at this point, he's saying, the one thing that is in my heart, that's in my mind, that I've got to do is to ask that I be in your presence. Okay, keep that in mind as I read these other two passages. Uh, and this will not be brought together until the very, very end. But I've created intrigue in your mind, so that mean you'll stay with me. Uh, look at verse 8. This is uh, the bride talking about her groom. And uh, it's an allegory of, of Christ and the church. So here's the, this is in the voice of the church now. The church says, the voice of my beloved, Je- <laughs> the, the voice of my beloved, look, he comes, leaping upon the mountains. Can you picture Jesus leaping upon the mountains? Bounding over the hills. And you got to hear him going, yippee! My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Uh, think about that. Have you ever seen the Wild Kingdom with the gazelles? And they just... God is not above, at times, being portrayed in animal terms. Uh, Psalms. 42, a very common passage. We sing it all the time. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you. Its very life depends on finding those streams where it can quench its thirst. And so it is with us. Our our heart thirsts after God, uh, after our Lord. Well, I want you to notice about these passages is that sometimes God's attitude towards us is portrayed as an enthusiastic animal. And sometimes our attitude towards God is portrayed as a needy animal. And that, folks, is who we are. Let's pray. Father, uh, I pray, God, that this word will go forward with honesty and frankness and boldness and truth. Most of all, Lord, I pray that when we are done, uh, each of us would have a deeper appreciation for who you are and who we are because of who you are. So be with us, Lord God, during this time, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. I want to start talking about who we are, who we are here this morning at this Woodland Hills body, by just reviewing a little bit why, why we started Woodland Hills Church in the first place. Why we started Woodland Hills Church in the first place. And there were several things that were on my mind at the time. I wanted, on the one hand, uh, a place that I, that would be balanced, have a balanced theology, 
a place that would be pa as passionate about worship as it was about preaching and as passionate about preaching as it was about worship. I often found in the St. Paul area that churches would be like good at one but then lack the other or good at the other and lack the one. And uh, we wanted balance. We wanted a place that was open to the moving of the spirit but did it in a balanced way so it didn't get, you know, wacko and people start barking in the spirit and things like that, which goes on in some places. Now, I'm not sure we've completely hit the balance, uh, and maybe that, that changes through time, but that was one of the goals when Woodland Hills Church was started. I, I wanted a place that, that uh, had an, a warfare understanding of Christian mission, and that we're all, we're all uh, called to be in warfare, that the world is a war zone, and I wanted a place where I could proclaim that and, and raise people up with that sort of a teaching. But even maybe at a little bit more fundamental level, there was this somewhat selfish desire on my part when we started Woodland Hills Church, and it's this. I really wanted a place where I could fit in. I really, I really wanted a place where I felt at home. Because the truth is that I don't feel, didn't feel, and to some degree still don't feel, at home in most religious environments. I don't do religion good. I, I, I never get it. Uh, you know, the, 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 the how-tos, that you got to say this but not this. I, I don't speak, you know, we talk about political correctness. Well, there's also, have you noticed, an evangelical uh, religious correctness? And I d can't seem to get a handle on what that is. One of the reasons I'm always in trouble. You say it wrong. Uh, you know, you, you shouldn't have said that. No, don't say that. Um, and I, 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 it, it's work for me to be in, in a lot of religious environments. I think I suffer, have suffered. I think I'm growing out of it now. But, but it's something of a religious uh, or spiritual inferiority complex. And Greg's saying, well, that's because you are spiritually inferior. But I don't, you know, want to buy that. I, when I'm around a lot of uh, religious people, people who seem to be religious, there's something about it that just feels, oh, I don't measure up. I, I, I don't fit in here. You know, I could... No, you know, I could be fasting for three days straight and reading my Bible and really getting victory, but still, in some environments, there's a sense of, like, I just don't do it like they do it. And I was tired of that, and I wanted an environment where nobody was ever going to feel spiritually inferior. Nobody was going to sp feel spiritually inferior. I wanted a, uh, a body that was free from anything that was artificial. I wanted a place that was honest, where people could be honest, where, where, where truth could be spoken, where, where uh, there was not anything slick, there wasn't anything polished, uh, there was nothing, you know, programmish about the whole thing. It was just real people loving a real Lord, growing in real grace, and experiencing real transformation. That, that to me, sums up the, the entire kingdom of God. That's what it's about. And so that's why Woodland Hills Church was started, to experience that. I felt since we've hung our hat on being honest and real, uh, I want to be real honest and real here. I have felt uh, lately uh, a sort of pressure to veer off that course. I, and I think it's been kind of coming on gradually uh, and mostly unnoticed, but I, I, the last several months especially. You know, we're growing up. When, when, when we started Woodland Hills Church, I, I didn't have a clue as to how to do a church. I, I don't think organizationally at all, as you know, and so my idea is that if you have a good heart and you put out a sign saying we're having church, you know, people will show up, and that's pretty much what you need to do. And it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that. So what we found is, especially when the church grows as fast as this church has grown, you know, we've had a really interesting six, seven years, you know, trying on this model, that model, and kind of learning as we go along here. 
Uh, no one on staff uh, other than Mary has any previous experience in church, and hers is in children's ministry, and that's why children's ministry has been pretty well organized. Thank you, Mary. Doesn't she do a great job? Yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Very, but, but the rest of us, we're kind of learning as we go along, and it's been a little weird and messy. But this year, things have gotten, uh, we, we're, we're getting it together. We have a constitution. We've got this organization model. We've got covenant partners on board. Uh, we're really maturing in a lot of good ways, and I praise God for that, and getting uh, our, our mission statement and our vision statement and our value statement and our goal statement and our priority statement and all these statements, getting an understanding of what we're about, where we're going, who we are, you know, and how we're going to go, where we're going to go, and all that stuff, and I praise God for that. But one of the things that I have been feeling pressure, and no one's putting this pressure on me, I've been feeling it on myself, is sort of, I don't know, it's the thing about growing up. It's like I, I, I feel like there's a pressure on me to be something I'm not, uh, especially with this, this building program. It's, it's here we are, you know, we are really growing up because we're looking at a, a building here and we're talking about $2 million and whoa, this is serious, you know, and I'm starting to feel like, ah, I got to make this happen. I'm supposed to, and I've, I've been putting this pressure on myself, I'm supposed to make this happen. Um, I've been feeling like I'm supposed to be this great leader, this confident leader, this visionary, uh, you know, who can just install, install vision in the people and rally the troops and speak boldly and march ahead and have people follow. I've been feeling like a, a sort of pressure to sell a building, you know, and, and to sell this project on people and wondering how, I, how can I say it so that they'll get the point and, and whatever. And maybe I am supposed to do that. I don't know. But, but here's what's real. And the Lord did this week has just said, Greg, get back to square one. What did you start Wilden Hills Church for? You didn't start it to get a building. You started it to be about reality. So let's get real. And here's what's real about me. I, I don't, I am not that leader. I, I don't see myself as that leader at all. I don't see myself as a particularly good leader. I don't see myself as a particularly good, I have a lot of self-doubts about, about that. And, and that's not, I don't feel bad about that, like ashamed of that. I, I don't feel like I get any points for being a great leader, and I don't feel like I get any points taken for not being a great leader. I, I just want to be, you know, real about that. Uh, or a great visionary. And I know this, that I, I don't sell stuff. I don't sell. If I, if I was going to sell stuff, I would have gone into Kirby vacuum cleaners or something, you know. Um, if I was going to sell a building, I would have gone into real estate. And I don't want to sell anything. I don't want to sell anything. All I know is this. Uh, I love Jesus. <laughs> I, I know that I love Jesus. That's all I know. I, mean, it's a, I love Jesus. And I, I thank God I, I, for, for, for the growth that's going on and, and all of that. But, but when, when, when it comes down to the bottom square root of, of, of what this is supposed to be about, it, it's just this. I love Jesus. I love to see people transformed. I love to see us reaching out. I love to see lives revolutionized. I love to see apathetic Christians becoming passionate Christians. I love to see people get freed from the devil. I love to kick the devils behind. My favorite hobby. I, I, I love empowering people to do that. I, 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 that's what I feel called to do. Um, and I don't know about the rest of this. I, I really believe, what's real is, I really believe that God wants to take us to a, uh, the next level. And that's about an us thing, about growing as a united body. And I really believe in my heart that we're going to need a permanent home if that's going to happen. I really believe that, that that's, that's real, that I think we are, are restricted unduly because we don't have our own place. Um, and, and so I, I, I really believe in this, this thing, but, but I'm not going to try to sell that. I'm not going to try to sell that. I, I, I want to just say it 
and ask God to move in people's hearts. And if God moves in your heart, get on board. And if God doesn't uh, in this direction, then maybe you're not ready. Uh, and that's about as much sales as you're going to get from me. Uh, that's, that's what's real. Someone told, took me aside a little bit ago and, and in, in, with, with a good heart said this. And we talked about this, so I'm not telling tales out of school, but he said, Greg, what we need right now is for you to uh, uh, wear the mantle of authority like you've never worn it before. And you need to say, thus says the Lord. And you need to proclaim the promised land without any wavering, without any doubting. You need to, you need to claim that this is God's will, that this is going to happen. There are no ifs, ands, or maybes. And you need to blow the trumpet without an uncertain voice. Blow the trumpet in Zion and march us in there. But it will not happen unless you have that kind of certainty. And I, for a little, bit, little part of me, you know, I, I want this so bad. This is what I think happens to pastors a lot. You want it bad. And so you kind of take on that aura. And, I, I, and part of me was kind of like trying that on inside. Like, okay, I think I could do that. I, I think I could do that, yeah. I, I think. But you know what? That's not real. Uh, I know people who have had that kind of word of knowledge. I, I worked with a pastor one time who the Lord gave him a word that he was going to get this supermarket uh, eight years before he actually got the supermarket. And he talked that way all the time. We're going to get that supermarket. We're going to get that supermarket. And boy, does that rally people. I mean, that is confidence. And I asked God for that kind of word of knowledge. God, give it to me. Come on, I need it. I want it. I, you know, Lord, I can need the people if you just will, will give me this word of knowledge. I, I want that kind of certainty. But what's real is God says to me, no. And I don't know why he says no. But, he, but I don't have that kind of certainty. I don't know for sure that this is going to happen. Uh, I haven't got that, that, that for sure thing. What I do know for sure is that we're supposed, to, we're supposed to try. What I do know for sure is we're supposed to go in this direction. What I do know for sure is we need to be united in a vision for, for where we're going. But I don't know about that location. I pray that that's it. I think it would be great. It makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, I feel energy for it. But I can't blow the trumpet with an uh, unequivocal voice saying, doo -doo -doo -doo, March on! I, 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 we are supposed to march on, but whether it's there or not, uh, I, I'm not certain, and maybe, maybe that's, that's, I know this, wherever we go, whatever we become, however we grow, however we mature, we must always be about this, and ultimately only about this, real people who love a real Lord, who live under real grace and experience real transformation, amen, amen, that's, that's it, that's the bread and butter. I never want to outgrow that. So who are we as a congregation? It seems to me as I look at this congregation, as I talk with people, uh, that by and large, we're, we're people who, who are about that. Uh, real people who love reality, who, who are tired of religion, who just love reality, and they want to experience a real Lord, and they want to learn about real grace, and they want to experience real transformation. Um, in every other respect, we are so incredibly diverse. This congregation... Everybody who's, who's done any kind of, you know, in, uh, research on us, or it hasn't been a lot of research, but, it, but just got to know our congregation, has gone weird, odd. They haven't gone weird. They say we're weird. That's what they're saying about us, folks. And the reason is this. It's so varied. We've got so many different religious backgrounds. It is unbelievable. Uh, and I praise God for that. Uh, we've, got, we've got, you know, the Catholics. We've got people from Herbert Armstrong's church. Uh, you know, we've, we've got, we've got a, a few former Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, we've got, I know of a couple of former Mormons. Uh, I know there, there, there's, there's even some Baptists in this crowd. Uh, you know, we got a lot of Pentecostals in this crowd. Uh, it, it's, it's very, we've even got some people who think the future is partly open in this crowd. Can you believe that? Oh, I don't know. 
I mean, maybe we're getting too broad, but, but um, you know, praise God. There, there's that kind of diversity, and there's a tremendous diversity in terms of our maturity levels. We've got immature Christians, a lot of immature Christians who just want to send a, a weekend Jesus buzz, and that's where they're at. And we don't want to shame them for being there, but we want to grow them in, you know, a little to, to the next step. But we've got a lot of people like that. We've got a lot of mature Christians who are just looking for a little more passion in, in, in their walk, feeling like they, they got to bust out of the status quo. Um, we've got a lot of non-Christians who are just sort of kicking the tires. I mean, for, the, for a year or two, they'll just kind of like, I don't know about this Christian, Christianity stuff. And they hang around here, and, and sometimes they, you know, I, they're, they're sort of checking it out. Praise God. We've got a lot of young people who are sort of wondering, uh, you know, uh, uh, about the spirit and, and uh, worship and all those kind of things, trying to figure that out. A wide variety of people at different levels. We've got a wide variety of walks of life. We have people in this congregation, God has sent us a number of people who, who have criminal backgrounds, who have been in prison, and we praise God for that. And they're sitting right next to people who have been raised in such a pure and healthy and pristine environment that the worst thing they've ever thought about doing was, was you know, uh, taking, telling a white lie or something. And right next to them is a person who tried to off their mother-in-law. And that's what the kingdom of God should look like, right? Amen. And one of them right now is saying, you mean you don't all try to do that? <laughs> you know, it's like, just this tremendous uh, variety. We've got city, we've got suburban, we've got educated, we've got non-educated. We've got happily married, we've got unhappily married. We've got, uh, God has just raised up here a, a, a lot of divorced people because we've been out loud with saying that there are no second-class Christians. There's no spiritual inferiority going on, and they hunger for a place like that. And so despite the fact that we haven't had and we need to get an intentional ministry uh, to people who have been through that, that trauma, uh, there's a lot of people here from that background. We're, we're so varied. We're varied in every way except one way in which we really wanted to be varied, and that has to do with racially. Uh, we, we still are, are, for the most part, homogeneous, uh, homogenous, and um, uh, w w what we found is that that, that nut's going to take some cracking. And we're going to have to be much more intentional than, when, than we originally thought uh, when we started Wilden Hills Church. But we're still strategizing and praying in that direction. What unites us amidst this incredible diversity is a desire and a hunger for reality. Being real. Cut the baloney. Um, you know, let's, let's just deal with what is real. Real people who love a real God uh, are living under real grace, experiencing real transformation. And this, you guys, I think is precious. I don't think you find that very much. Um, it, it's one of the reasons why I, I have it on my heart. Here's what's real. I really have it on my heart that this needs to, more people need to come in into contact with this. It needs to get out there. Because people are not hungry for religion. They're not. I don't think there's one person in St. Paul who's saying, gee, I wish I had another place that just had a lot of religion. You know, a, a non-religious person is saying, gosh, I, I could really use, a, you know, a little more external behavior stuff or, or whatever. What they want is reality, amen? What they want is a real Lord. And so we need to always be thinking, how can we, how can we bring this blessing out to more people? Well, someone talked to me the other day, or a couple weeks ago now, in the, in the visitor's room. And this is a happy story and a sad story. But it was a friend of a man who used to come to Woodland Hills Church. And he told me about his friend, I think his name was Doug, I, I don't recall, but he said, uh, he doesn't go to this church, the friend doesn't, but he came just to tell me this, to thank me for the role that Woodland Hills Church had in Doug's life. Doug was a chronic drug addict, had an insatiable uh, habit with, with heroin and cocaine, hard drugs, liquor, he just kept on falling into that. And 
Nothing had been able to cut, cut through uh, in this. He tried many different ways to get free from this. He, someone brought him to Woodland Hills Church. And he got saved. He, got to, he came to know the Lord. And I never met this man. I, I wonder how many other times people like this pass through our midst and we don't know about. Never met this man. But he got saved. He would say he found reality here. He found reality. And he, he felt he was with people with whom he could be real and not ashamed. And, and he got freed from his drugs. He got delivered from all of that. And for three years, he was completely sober. Completely sober. Now, the, the sad news is, is that because of a job transfer, he had to move. He went to Colorado. And in time, he fell back into his drugs. Uh, and shortly thereafter, he overdosed on drugs. But his friend was saying this. I want to thank you uh, for giving him the, the, the three years of sobriety that he had. They were the best three years of his life. And I believe that, that he, his commitment with the Lord was genuine. Uh, moving away from here, he lost his support. He fell back into it. But I believe he died a believer uh, and, and is in heaven. And he wanted just to thank the congregation and, and, and this ministry for that. And I wonder how many other Dugs are there out there? You see, how many other Dugs are there out there who just want reality? Real people loving a real Lord, experiencing real transformation. This is, I believe, the one reason why... The, the church has grown the way it's grown. Uh, this is the one reason. I, I don't think there's any other explanation for it. Um, God honors this, and he blesses it, and, and people show up, and, and they get blessed. The big joke around the office a couple weeks ago was this. I got invited to a church growth seminar, to, to, to lead a church growth seminar. Um, and the way they asked me was, they said, would you like to come and just talk to a class about Woodland Hills Church? And I said, oh, I can do that. And that'd be great. Well, I got the brochure a couple weeks before this seminar was, was going to be put on. And it was a, uh, a lengthy seminar that had a lot of leaders in church growth. I mean, church growth gurus like Tommy Barnett and, and others. Um, and, and the caption under me, they had my picture, and the caption was, Greg Boyd will come and share the techniques and strategies and organizational principles that he has used to reach people as the church goes into the 21st century. Alex, Jesse, you're laughing too. I showed that to the staff and they're all like, ah! <laughs> oh. How I strategically grew the church, they said up to 5,000. I mean, this is getting better by the second. So I showed up to the seminar and I, I you know, I had to be honest. I had to be real. I, I couldn't back out now. So I just said, and it actually God showed up in a powerful, powerful way. But I said, you know, I, to be honest, I'm not sure why I'm here. Uh, I've never been to a seminar on church growth. I've never read a book on church growth. I don't know a thing about church growth. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know a thing about it. They're clapping because I don't know a thing about church growth. No, no, you guys, this isn't a positive thing I'm saying here, okay? This isn't, I, I'm certainly not bragging here, all right? Hey, I, I'm totally ignorant, man. <laughs> Follow me. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> the ultimate blind leaders of the blind, ignorant leaders of the ignorant, I don't know. But I, I said, the only thing I know is this. Um, I, people are hungry for reality. And I just shared with them what I'm sharing with you. I said, people are hungry for a real Lord. They just want to be real. And I think, you know, if there's anything we've done, it's simply we've, we've gotten the church out of the way to let Jesus do his thing. And, and God seems to honor that. And that's kind of all I have to say. So bye. You know, I, 
I, I just laid it out there, and, and God really used it. But the, the truth is that we're a very imperfect church. We've, we, we don't have a lot of the things that you'd expect to have in place. But what we do have is a real Lord, uh, a real God who, who loves us and gives us space to be real with one another, space to grow, grow, develop, space to make mistakes, space to go forward. So who are we? Who are we? I'm going to end with this. And here's where it gets a little weird. This week I was kind of struggling. I, I'm really used to just preaching from a text and bringing it out of the text. And here I'm trying to talk about who we are and, and looking at Scripture, and nothing was really clicking. And so I, I coming home, I think it was Wednesday night or Thursday night, I, I was having this tough feeling, you know, kind of sick. Uh, it was Wednesday night. Uh, in fact, it was right after the prayer meeting. And because I, I was feeling, you know, still kind of sick at this point, uh, feeling somewhat discouraged, uh, very, very tired. I've been on one of these manic drives. I'm getting three hours of sleep a night. Uh, boy, I really appreciate that extra hour this morning. That was so good. Uh, I just ah, feel refreshed. But, but I, was in a, I was in this kind of place really wondering about me and, and wondering about these things. And I was thinking, I was thinking about what is the core of Woodland Hills Church? God, what do you want me to tell, say is the core? What's the core? I walked in the door of my house, uh, feeling just kind of like, you know, I know you guys think that I, I'm always up. I'm not. Uh, that I, I never get tired. I do. I don't get as tired as you, but I get, do get tired. <laughs> I, uh, and I was just kind of like, ugh. And I walked in the door, and here's my dog. My, my dog runs up. My, my dog's name is Winnie. She's a little Maltese, the cutest little beast in the world. Uh, also, the dumbest little beast in the world. <laughs> Has no brain, none, zero. But she sure is cute. And whenever I come home, she is, you know these little dogs get, they, they get so excited. Oh, that's them, that's them. Oh, we got to get that's them. What's the matter with you? And she's running around, uh, tail wagging, and comes up and is so happy to see me. Her, and she always brings me something. She'll look around, and whatever she can find, she's, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. And she brings it to me. You know, usually it's a shoe, you know. She, she, and it's like, you know, uh, Dad, look, 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 look what I have. Look what I have. I, I, I've got a shoe here. I got, you know, and... Or, or it's a doll or some toilet paper. Or, or Yesterday she brought me a leaf. You know, I don't know where she got the leaf. Stuck right there, you know. And uh, so happy to see me. And, of course, I thank her for the nice gift. And then she rolls over and, uh, you know, and she kind of... <laughs> cute little dog. Okay, the dog comes and greets me. And this is standard. This isn't any unusual. But all of a sudden, uh, and this, is, this was the Lord. Uh, and I really felt the Lord telling me to share this with you. I thought of this story that I had read. I haven't thought of it for 15, 20 years or so. Uh, it's a story of, of uh, Nikki Cruz. The, uh, the, 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 the story across uh, the Switchblade was written after him. And as I recall, I may have the details wrong, but I remember the essence of the story. This was a young man who was in gangs filled with violence, filled with hatred, um, just hating the world, uh, just miserable. People had tried to reach him with the gospel, and he resisted it. He ran from it, didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, he had no friends in the world except for his little tiny dog. And his dog followed him everywhere he went. At one point in his life, he was walking over a bridge. And he was so full of hatred, he says, that he even hated the fact that the dog liked him. So he turned around and started screaming at the dog, Go away! I hate you. I don't want you to be here. And just try to scold the dog. And the dog was, of course, confused and would kind of cower back a little bit. But as soon as he started walking, the dog would start, you know, faithfully following again. And he would turn around again and holler at the dog. I said, go away, you stupid mud. Get out of here. And the dog would kind of like, you know, what's going on? 
But as soon as he started walking again, the dog would follow. Um, at one point, he kicked the dog. Get out of here! I don't want to ever see you again. And the dog cowered back a little bit, but then would keep on coming after him. And finally, he was so full of hatred, he took the dog by the throat and flung it out into the river. Just into, the, into this river, thinking it would probably drown. Um, and then he, from the bridge, he watched it. And it, it plopped in the, in, in the water and eventually came up. And it struggled for its life uh, against in this river to make it over to the side of the shore. Finally makes it over to the side of the shore, shakes itself off, and starts to look around. And then sees, and it screws up on top of the bridge, and starts to run full speed back up to the bridge. And he says, as this dog got on the bridge and started going towards it, and its tail starts wagging. He said it, it was at that moment that uh, the light went on in his life about what these people were talking about, about God's love. This is where he came up with the expression, the hound of heaven. That God is a God who just chases us, pursues us, comes after us. A real God who goes after real sinners to the point of dying for them on the cross. Um, will not leave us alone. And there are times where we want to holler at him, and we have hollered at him. And times where we maybe kick him. Maybe times where we go through a period of our life where we throw him uh, uh, over the bridge. But he keeps on coming back. The God of this universe uh, it pursues us like that. What is the core of what we're about? It is the simple, simple truth that God loves you. Uh, and as I got ho came home uh, from this day that was very fatiguing, and this dog greeted me, uh, there was a voice inside that says, somebody is very, very, very happy to see you, and I'm not talking about the dog. And the Lord just told me this truth, that whenever, whenever I turn to him, whenever I just am real with him, whenever I just let myself bask in his presence, uh, he is so delighted to see me. My dog doesn't care if I've had a good day or a bad day, whether I'm happy or sad, whether it was successful or defeated. He doesn't, the dog doesn't care. There's no questions asked. Dad's home, and I'm happy. And so it is with God. What's the core? What is it? There's a lot of things we're called to do, but this is the center, folks. This is the center. Um, it doesn't matter whether you've had a good day or a bad day, whether you're feeling victorious or whether you're feeling defeated, whether you're feeling holy or you're feeling particularly stained right now. You've got to know this, that when you turn to him, and take this in context, his tail starts wagging. And he is so happy. And he, oh, what he wants to say is, look what I have for you. Look at the love I have for you. Uh, this is the grace I have for you. My dog met me at the front door, and I began to cry. I began to weep. Uh, and it happened in a split second. It took me five minutes to say it, but, I, but I, I just, it just began to hit me. It's like, that's the core. That's the core right there. And uh, God is happy to see me, no matter what. He's happy to see me. And I came in, and my wife saw me kind of weeping. <laughs> it's like, uh, what is, honey, the dog always does that. It shouldn't be so touching, you know. <laughs> And I, t I told her the story of Nikki Cruz and what the Lord had just told to me. And then she said, you know, and we were kind of getting sentimental here talking about the love of God and really enjoying this. Uh, one thing I desire, Lord, and that's to be in your presence. Uh, and she said, well, you know, sometimes I see myself as the animal. Uh, I see myself, and, and, and then she said, come here, I want to show you something. And we have this picture of Jesus holding this lamb on top of our stairway. You know, this is a wonderful picture of Jesus holding this lamb. And she says, uh, I, Jesus there looks like she's loving, he's loving the lamb the way I love Dustin, our bunny. We have this little cute little bunny named Dustin. And uh, she said, when I hold Dustin in my arms, I picture Jesus. I picture Jesus holding me like this. 
Mark, I'm going to switch over to this microphone because she's going to cover up the one I'm wearing. If she doesn't bite through it. This is Dustin. And Shelly said, you know, as I hold Dustin and just kind of let, you know, he, he always puts, it's a he, uh, always puts his nose up right next to, ne to the neck. Uh, I think of myself and Jesus and how Jesus just tenderly holds me. Sometimes, you know, Dustin tries to get away. Uh, he maybe gets frightened or nervous or bored and, and starts to claw. And what we do is you just have to hold him a little tighter. And isn't that how the Lord does it with us? Sometimes when we try to push, we pound on the chest. He just says, okay, it's going to be all right. Just stay right here. No matter how much we grow up, we're always going to be a little bunny. And there's a lot of things we're called to do. We're called to conquer the world. But it comes out of a center of a childlike acceptance of God's unconditional love for us. Uh, where we just rest in his arms and let him love us and cradle us and heal us. Praise God. And however we grow as a church, and we need to grow in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of things we're called to do. We're called to take over St. Paul. Um, it's all going to be done out of this center, this core right here. Uh, and we must always return to this. We're just real people with real imperfections, but we know a real God who wants so badly to pick us up and to hug us and to cradle us. And I want this always to be a church that knows that truth. We just want to tuck up under your wing, Lord. Put our nose into your neck. And when there's warfare going on, when there's struggles going on, when life feels like it's falling apart, to see you holding us and, and caressing us and loving us with your ever, everlasting love. Praise God. I want to end with re singing that song again. Uh, I could sing of your love forever. And as we do, I want us to see ourselves uh, right where Dustin is right now, in the arms of Jesus. And let Jesus just hold you. The re what's, what's real here is that he's holding you right now. Maybe you're resisting him. Maybe the devil's lied to you and you can't see that. But what's real is that right now his arms are around you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And picture, if you need to look at me, I'm going to stay up here, and picture me as Jesus and you as Dustin. And lock that in and just rejoice. Let him love you. Uh, I'd like to call the worship team forward, and, or the, the prayer team forward, and if you want to come forward for prayer because you're having trouble really accepting that kind of love, uh, then, then, then do so. Let's stand and let's sing of his love forever.